Ryan takes the snap. Hands to Gurley. Todd going to reroute. Got a helping block from Ryan and a touchdown. Matt Ryan helped his running back turn the corner as Gurley scores for the second time tonight. You're listening to Falcons Audible, presented by AT&T. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Falcons Audible presented by the AT&T. I'm Derek Rackley joining you once again, and I've got my fellas Dave Archer and DJ Shockley, and they are, let me just say, they're chomping at the bit to get into this conversation. (laughs) Uh, Let me give you a quick uh, synopsis of what's going to happen in this show. Of course, we're going to talk about what happened with the uh, Falcons and Packers game at Lambeau Field. That happened on Monday night. Falcons falling to 0-4, of course, to a 30-16 to score. We'll get back into that game. We've talked so much about the Falcons struggling to finish football games, even the last couple of weeks. Well, this one was the opposite. They were not able to get off to a good start, so we don't even have this failure-to-finish topic like we have the last couple of weeks. And, of course, the Falcons continue to get ravaged by injuries. We'll talk a little bit about those, but maybe more or less take a step back and give some experiences about times that we've been through similar situations and and how our teams responded from that, whether or not guys stepped up or they didn't step up. And then, of course, we'll look at uh, take a step back in the division and talk about some guy named Tom Brady. You think he's done some good things throughout the course of the NFL, and he seems to uh, have gotten things <laughs> off to a pretty good start and got the Bucks going. So, Dave, I'm going to start with you. Dave, welcome. Good to see you again. We're going to get our first thought, our quick hitter here on your thoughts from the Falcons game um, against the Green Bay Packers dropping to 0-4. Yeah, I think there's a couple things come to mind real quickly. Show slow start you talked about. Slow start, couldn't afford to have a slow start or empty possessions on offense. Uh, I think uh, the the injuries are certainly ravaging the defense, and I think that leads to some of the blown assignments. Those are the things that kind of pop in my head when I think about last night. DJ, how about you? What are some of the the, the first thoughts that you think about with this Falcons 0-4 team? Uh, it's similar to what Arch just uh, talked about with the guys on the back end. Um, even though – you have a lot of guys who are playing, you know, a lot of minutes on that back end. I thought there were times in this ball game where there was a lack of communication on simple things. And when that comes to mind for me is guys not communicating the best possible way. And that's my first thought. And I think about the defense is, yeah, you got a lot of guys out of injuries, all that kind of stuff. But some of the stuff I think was uh, day one routine stuff that were uh, that they were missing. Yeah, you know, guys, we talked about this before we started the podcast here, and you, you, you try to find the positives in, in, in the Falcons, in games like Monday night. But at the end of the day, you have to remind yourself that this is a team that's struggling right now in their own four. And so you and, – and again, I've said this on previous episodes, guys, is as former players, we know it. We've been in this situation. When you sit down in the team meeting room after a game – after starting the first quarter of the season 0-4, trust me, the coaches are going to tell you exactly what they feel. They're not going to tell you all the things that they've done right because they don't get paid, and none of the players, frankly, get paid by moral victories of X, Y, Z, and went good because we lost the game. At the end of the day, the NFL is all about winning. So let's kind of talk about the Falcons in this first quarter. I want to get your guys's what has been the biggest surprise that you've seen so far from the Atlanta Falcons or how this season has started, DJ. I want to start with you. What's been some, something that's just been like, I can't believe this has just happened to this team? You know, what first comes to mind is when we came into the season, we thought about this offense and how good it can be. We talked about all the different weapons, all the guys on the outside bringing Gurley in. You got Russell Gage now. He's added to that, you know, Julio and Calvin uh, kind of party there, the receiver spot. 
uh, up front, you were probably the most solidified you thought you would be at the offensive line. And the thing that sticks out to me, there has been games where the offensive efficiency has not been there. There's been games where you have lapses, where you have two, three, four series when you get no points, you don't move the football, you don't get any uh, uh, time off the clock. I mean, those little things that help you win ball games, I thought would not happen with this offense. I thought you would have, you know, maybe a lull here and there, one or two series where, you know, hey, if defense wins, that happens. But there have been times where you've had three, four series where you get nothing from them with how good this offense is, with the amount of veterans you have on that side of the ball. That's been my biggest surprise is the lack of offensive efficiency at times throughout a four-quarter ball game in this first quarter of the season. DJ, I think it's a great point. I mean, you bring in a guy like Todd Gurley, not to say that in years past, a guy like Devontae Freeman was not going to command the defense, but you're thinking you bring in, let's call it a top five back in the league when he's healthy, that it's going to make the defense arch focus on him, which should open up the holes in the passing game more for guys like Julio. And as DJ mentioned, adding to the mix, Calvin Ridley. So yours may not be offense, but what's been some of the biggest surprises for you? Something that you didn't anticipate we'd be talking about heading into the fifth week of the season that before the season started? Yeah, I think mine is still going to stay on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's where the bread is buttered for this, uh, for this team. It's the offensive side of the ball. You thought the defense, maybe they could play some reasonable defense, but it's an offensive league now. So how much can you match the other team or have more, you have more firepower. So I, I probably piggyback it a little bit with DJ, what he said, but what strikes me is how hard it's been. Nothing has been easy on offense. And when you got as many weapons as you've got on the offensive side of the ball, you would think that things would be a little easier getting first downs. You're struggling on, this is a team that historically, I don't care who the offensive coordinator is, who, but Matt Ryan at quarterback and with this cast of characters that have kind of fluctuated from time to time over his 12, 13 years as a quarterback, they've always had weapons around him where third down, you've commanded that down. You went in last night at 43%, which isn't bad. It's not great. But last night you went three to 12 on third down it just felt hard the whole time. It never felt like you got easy first downs. You had easy say it was two yards, three yards, and now it's third and five. We're grinding. Oh, we get two, and now we got to go for it on fourth down. It was just like it felt like you're on pins and needles the entire time. Whereas I watched the other side of the ball, and Rogers a little flip here, and the guy goes for ten, and a little flip over here, and they get eleven. Easy plays. I mean, just little dumps and stuff. It wasn't like he was pumping the ball down the field on you. So. That, I think that's the biggest surprise to me, that the weapons you have offensively, that it hasn't been easier on offense. It seems like it's been like going to the dentist every Sunday. <laughs> to try. And now you scored points and you put points on the board, right? You've been able to do it. But have you guys – has it struck you? Has anything been easy so far this year on offense? No, I agree with you, Arch, because it looks like Matt is always trying to throw into some kind of tight coverage and guys are having to make some type of acrobatic catch in order to pick up a first down where you mentioned it. And, and, and I'm going to kind of take my opinion here to the other side of the ball because you look at last night or Monday night, however, whenever people are watching this podcast, is you see Aaron Rodgers when he's able to get the ball, he comes out of his break, gets his head turned around, and there's a running back just wide open in the flat so he just dumps it down and the running back turns up field and picks up nine or ten yards on first down or he takes a shotgun snap he gets back he looks left right he sees a tight end wide open over the middle of the field and to your point arch it's like rogers doesn't even have to work for it it's just like 
I always, when I, I talk to my softball girls all the time on a routine ground ball, has got to be a layup, right? It's like, these are layups for Aaron Rodgers. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the game and he can fit balls into the tightest windows, but he doesn't even have to. So for me, the biggest surprise has been, you think about the guys that we have on the defensive side of the ball. I understand that they're banged up. They are banged up, but it's the, the lack of pressure that we're getting up front. Everybody wants to single out the defensive backs in the secondary. And granted, I think that that's, that's fair to do that. But the Falcons have seven sacks through four games. They're not getting enough pressure, not causing enough havoc in the opponent's backfield to make these quarterbacks make bad throws to give the defense chance to come and make it. And so, look, you can sit here and make the excuses all you want about the defensive injuries. But guys, let me just throw it back to you real quick. Aaron Rodgers, yes, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, but he's not throwing to Devontae Adams. He's not throwing to Bubba Franks back in the day, right? He's throwing to guys like Robert Tanyan, and these guys are getting three touchdowns. So he's doing it with guy with an injured cast as well, but he's making it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, that's the part that's that's really frustrating is why are we not challenging these guys a little bit more, the guys that are no-name guys? If a guy has a big day like Tanya in last night, make him earn it. Hit him in the mouth a few times so he gets off the line of scrimmage. I thought that Kendall Sheffield did a little bit of that last night. I thought Kendall Sheffield being in the lineup was a real positive for Atlanta. Now, obviously, it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, and they put 30 on the board, and Rodgers, I think, only had like six or seven passes hit the ground. But I thought that from a competitive standpoint and coming up and competing, putting your hands on the receiver, making it tough to get off the ball, I thought that's what you got from Kendall Sheffield last night. I think that's what you'd like to see permeate the entire team. There was just too many guys running free. As you said, blown assignment shock. You talked a little bit about that. Some of it has to do with guys that haven't played very much. And But but excuses can be excuses. I mean, you got to find a way to, to play with the guys that are on the field. And if, if you're going to play that with those guys, then play a little bit softer, whatever it is. But I just I thought there was some silver lining for me with Kendall Sheffield on on the field. I thought he did some good things that hopefully you can build on. It has to happen this week. Yeah, right. Let me let, let me add one, one 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 little note to that. And we talked about the guys on the back end and guys who probably haven't played a lot. Uh, but for me, when I when I when we first started, I talked about the simple things. And everybody can see a two by two combination. You got two receivers on one side, two on the other side, and they run a simple slant from the outside and a flat route by the inside guy day one if you're playing cover three you're playing cover two you're playing cover one there's always communication where you say hey this guy comes outside i take him if he comes inside i take him that doesn't take a unit to have to play together for four five six weeks that just takes i got him you got him and that's some of the stuff that i was really concerned about on the back end is yeah you got a bunch of guys who haven't played but these guys are in NFL for a reason. Obviously, they did really well in college, so they understand the nuances of what offenses are trying to do and how they are being attacked. So you know when you get in certain formations or some how you're going to be attacked. So I just, I just wanted the communication to be better on the back end, regardless of if you played or not. The simple scenarios and situations of a game, they weren't there. You take for granted. You take for granted, guys. A guy like uh, Ricardo Allen. Ricardo Allen is the is the quarterback of the defense. He knows yep. what Grady Jarrett's supposed to do. He knows what Deion Jones is supposed to do, and obviously knows what's going on in the secondary. How many times we see him walk down in the middle of the defense and start directing traffic, telling guys where to go? Hey, you got him. Yeah. And so, yeah. so from a leadership standpoint, uh, when you're not that guy, and now all of a sudden you got to be that guy, sometimes. That doesn't come as natural. And uh, I think you're right, Shock. There's a, a ton of this can be resolved by saying, hey, 
that's my guy. You take your guy. You know I mean? It's something simple like that. I don't care if the quarterback knows it or not. Now he's got to make a throw. Yeah, unfortunately, when you have so many different guys rotating through the defense, these are the things that kind of fall to the wayside is the just the basics and the fundamentals. And that's why NFL teams and coaches, when they go out to practice, they always start still by working on fundamentals and basics. And the average person probably doesn't think that NFL players do that, but it happens at the beginning of every practice. But some of these simple things are getting missed. So Dave, you talked about a guy like Ricardo Allen, and we can't sugarcoat it. The Falcons do have a number of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. We talked about Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal, A.J. Terrell was out because of the COVID protocol, Darquez Denard, DeMonte Casey, Jalen Hawkins, all these guys off of the defense either coming into the game or during the Green Bay game. Here's one thing I could tell everybody that's listening. We're not, these three guys up here aren't going to be able to do anything to solve the Falcons injury issues. <laughs> one no. thing that maybe we can do is we'll take a step back. And Arch, let me start with you. Go back, think throughout the, your career, where you were part of a team that was ravaged by injuries somewhat similar to what Atlanta is going through. And how did you kind of approach that and what ended up transpiring? Well, we got off to a 4-0 start in 1986. It was my third year in the league, and and we were the toast of the town, and we were the toast of the league and and, uh, players of the month and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, we started to determine, we we started to find out we weren't as deep a team as maybe some of the others around the league. We started getting ravaged up front, the offensive line. This was a team that could come off the ball and run the football with Bill Fralick and and uh, Mike Kinn, guys like that coming off the ball and just mashing people, short necks in the run game, right? Play action and off of, we were eating people up. Then all of a sudden, the run game started to go away because you had some guys that maybe probably shouldn't have been in the game or playing on the <laughs> offensive line. In one particular instance, we lost a left guard, uh, John Scully, who was an outstanding player, former Notre Dame, Golden Domer from Notre Dame, was an outstanding player at our left guard position. He, get, he breaks a leg in a game. So we bring in another guy and, uh, you know, you, you try to not miss a beat and you kind of took advantage, you took for granted, and this is part of kind of going back to what we're seeing today, you, you take for granted what Ricardo Allen does. You take it granted for what some of these guys do from a communication and leadership standpoint. Scully was that guy along the offensive line, kind of a glue guy up front. All of a sudden, Scully's out of the game. We, we pump another guy in that we had just signed that offseason to come in. And I, I remember specifically in a game uh, we're playing the playing the Eagles and Reggie White moves down inside and he gets clean through the middle and I could literally see John Scully on the other side of Reggie White yelling "Watch out!" <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? We went from the guy that was their glue guy to now I've got this guy yelling "Watch out!" I mean, it's just. <laughs> What you got to do is you got to try to overcome it a little bit. And so now you got to, you got to compensate for it. So now Mike Kinn's got to compensate. You got to, you know, Jeff Van Notes got to kind of lean in and kind of get this guy dialed in. So that to me from relating to what we're seeing today to back in those days is you got to put your arms around that guy and, and try to get him dialed in. Now, if you got too many of those guys up front, which ultimately happened <laughs> that year, we went Trouble. from 4-0 to about 500 and finished out of the, out of the playoffs. Uh, so we ended up too, with too many of those guys that are yelling, watch out, instead of getting a block <laughs> on somebody. But uh, that well, was just, it's a funny story, but it does relate to this, that to now as far as trying to help one another come together because it can be very dis- uh, uh, disappointing and very discouraging to sit in those meetings like you guys are talking about and you watch these films and what, what the hell is this guy doing? You got to help them get dialed in. Well, DJ, it's it's a very fortunate situation for the show that we got two former quarterbacks. You ever had a center turn around and tell you, watch out? 
<laughs> no, no, I, I've had a, I've had an opportunity in a ball game. I remember in college one time, uh, we were playing on the road at Mississippi State, and uh, I see blitz coming off my left side, and I literally, uh, I, I change the protection, slide the line to the left, but my tight end on the backside does not hear it. So as I go, I take a three-step drop. On my third step, I'm here. The defensive end comes and just collapses my whole right side. My tight end goes right. The whole offensive line goes left. It's parting of the Red Sea. <laughs> Ball is gone. And I get up, and there's a knot on my on my elbow that comes out by three, four inches. <laughs> I was so glad they had to review to see if it was a fumble or not because I was no way I was going to be able to come back uh, after that next play. But I remember in college, my junior as well, we had a bunch of guys right before the season start from the receiver spot. So just as important, like the offensive line losing guys, we had three or four of our top receivers having hamstring, have an ankle, have a little tweak or something. And we were trying to figure out how we're going to have any sort of passing game. And the thing we had to do was, lucky enough, we had some really athletic backs. We used backs and receivers, and we kept everything simple. If they knew our game plan was everything under 10 yards, they would have been in our face the whole time. But having those guys just kind of step up in that spot, it helped a lot. And like Arch mentioned, you got to have a couple guys who say, look, I believe in you. This is what we're about, and we need you to step up. And I think that helped us until we got those guys back. But it definitely was a trying situation trying to throw a uh, dig route to a, a tailback that's only ran a hitch route ever in his life. So, uh, <laughs> it was tough time for sure, but we found a way to get through it. And uh, we, we kind of hit a lot of those deficiencies, uh, a lot tougher to do, uh, especially on the back end of, of a defense. But offensively, we were able to hide it for a little bit. Well, hopefully that tailback didn't come into you in the huddle, DJ, and say, um, uh, hey, DJ, what's a dig route? <laughs> I've never run that before. You know, it's interesting, though, DJ, you mentioned keep it simple. It reminds me, and Arch, you'll probably remember this. Talk about keeping it simple. I'm going to go to the 2004 season, and Arch, if you can remember, towards the end of the year, we were having a really good season, but we ended up having injuries on the left side of our offensive line. So we ended up having to put, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Arch, it might have been Kevin Schaefer and Steve Herndon in on the left side. Mm. Remember we were playing the Rams yeah. in the playoffs? Yeah. And we came into that game basically knowing that we weren't going to be in as good a shape running to the left side, okay? So what did we do? We just kept it simple, and we ran to the right all yeah, game. <laughs> to the tune of about 300 yards, if and I remember correctly. It was correctly. like, oh, gosh. Like, it was so fun because it was almost like we wanted to tell the Rams that we were running to the right side, and we were going <laughs> to say, stop it. And they couldn't yeah. stop it. I mean, Warwick and TJ just carved him up, and we ran right, right, right. Now, granted, we had Michael Vick, so he could always keep the left side occupied with a bootleg fake, which, you know, that's, that's kind of a privilege that not all teams have. But I wish we could go back to the stats and see how many times we ran the ball to the right side versus any play to the left. But, DJ, to your point, we kept it simple. We just said, yeah. okay, it's not a good idea run left. Let's run yeah. right. Rack, and I remember, it's funny you bring up that Mike can hold people on that backside. I remember when I got there in 06, there was plays in our offense where literally our offensive coordinator, Greg Knapp, would say, hey, look, if that backside ain't crashes, then you just pull it and go. Regardless of what the play is, if that backside ain't crashes too much, you pull it and go. And I think teams knew at any given chance he could pull it and go, so that held that backside. So I'm sure that's why that left side was good to go because they knew Mike could pull it anytime. 
Well, hey, you might, you might in, in relating that real quickly to what we're seeing now, guys, uh, a lot of people say, well, we don't have Michael Vick coming out the backside running with the football. No, but you have a lethal bootleg game with Ryan. In fact, last night, Ryan hurt the Packers a number of times, bootlegging out and finding either Hayden Hurst, one of his receivers that had retraced and gone underneath the formation, or a shallow drag route. And you got a lot of mileage out of that. So it's not about just the quarterback coming out running with the football. A lot of times, and Rodgers isn't running in their in their pass game. They have a similar stretch inside zone, outside zone run game. He bootlegs off of it and keeps the people honest on the backside. So it's not just about a guy coming out and running the football like your team did back in 04 to the tune of over 300 yards and sent the Rams home with uh, that really bad look on their face like, why are we even here? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and so, you know, we tried to have a little fun, talk a little bit about stories, and you're right, this is not necessarily going to help the 2020 Falcons, but I think at the end of the day, guys, we would all agree that at some point, you just got to keep it simple. You got to work yeah. with what you've got at your discretion, and no we'll see how the Falcons end up responding from here moving out of unfortunately starting that first quarter of the season 0-4. Let's take a quick step back here, guys, before we wrap it up. I mentioned Tom Brady. That guy's pretty good, too. They ended up getting down in their game against the L.A. Chargers and Justin Herbert 24-7 early in that game. But it shows the importance of one turnover. I went back and watched a little bit of this game. There was a turnover right at the end of the first half where the Chargers gave the ball back to Brady and company with like less than a minute. He mm -hmm. punches the ball in the end zone. And then they would say the rest is history, Arch. They come back and they win this game 38-31 after being down 24-7 almost at halftime. Yeah, the turnover inside the uh, Charger 10-yard line. In fact, inside the 5-yard line, tried to hand the ball off to the rookie running back. He put the ball on the ground. And two plays later, I think Brady uh, shoves the ball in the end zone for a touchdown. And, the, and as you said, they storm back. I don't think Brady's ever worried about those type of situations. A lot of weapons on that team. So, And give the Saints a ton of credit as well. You know, and we're talking about guys coming back. I know you want to talk about Brady. But how about Drew Brees leading his team back from 14 nothing down? They scored 28 unanswered points to go ahead and come back and win that football game uh, over the Detroit Lions. So two teams in our division that found themselves in a bad spot had, did not play a very good half of football and found themselves uh, on the winning end because they, they kind of kept fighting and getting after it. DJ, before you jump in here, I'm going to ask you a question. And, and I know you, you were talking a little bit about Drew Brees in a couple of our previous um, podcasts here. But let's fast forward to December off of what you've seen so far. And, I, and I'll give you history. You can, you can take years past with both of these quarterbacks. But with Drew Brees and the Saints or Brady and the Bucks, which one of those two combos are you taking in December? Oh, I think I'm leaning towards Brady and the Bucks. I mean, uh, everything that's involved. I know they just lost O.J. Howard to an Achilles. I know that's a big hit to him. So now he's probably going to have his his favorite target more dialed in now and, and, and big Gronk. Uh, but now they're starting to get the run game going. Ronald Jones, I think he went for 111 yards in that ball game. Mike Evans, he started to find his groove with him. Seven for 122 and a touchdown. This offense is starting to understand who they are. And you can see it starting to click for them. They're starting to, you know, push it down the field. They threw the ball down. Hey, here's the longs in their ball game. They had a, a long of 48, 44, 28, and 29 in the ball game. That tells you they're stretching the field now. Explosive. And they are starting to become the team that everybody thinks they uh, will be. So uh, I think come December, uh, Tampa will have a better uh, rhythm. Not to say uh, the Saints will not, but I think uh, Brady and Tampa will be even better. Arch, if you had to pick one, Bucks or Saints in December? 
I'm going to take the Saints in December simply because I don't trust the offensive line in Tampa. I think that if you heat up if you heat up Brady, which I think you can do, we've already seen signs of it in the first four games. If you get after him, uh, now if you had to throw the defenses in, I like the Bucks defense a little bit better than I like the Saints defense. Although that is a pretty good crew in New Orleans as well. But I'll take Breeze uh, in this division, understanding what it takes in the in the back end of the season. Uh, to get his team in position, potentially be a team that's fighting for a division title uh, over Brady's group. All right, since I'm going to have to take a tiebreaker here, right? We had Yeah, bust it open, Rack. Come on, who you got? Bust it open, and it's going to be recorded, so we can always come back to this, but I'm going to take Brady in the back. Hell and go! Leave Bandwagon. I got Brady to Bucks. Let's see if Arch makes us look silly once we fast forward a couple of months here in the season. Uh, all right, guys, before we wrap it up, Falcons, uh, of course, we mentioned they're going to they fall to 0-4, last place in the NFC South. However, again, if there's anything positive you can take away, the stretch coming up looks a little less daunting maybe than it did to start the season. They've got Panthers, Vikings, Lions, Panthers again. And Broncos, none of those teams are above 500 right now. So maybe Atlanta is able to get things back on track. I'll tell you this. They have no choice but to get things back on track. <laughs> no that doubt. is life That's for sure. in the NFL. Um, no so doubt. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up for uh, my, my fellow analysts and co-hosts here, DJ Shockley, Dave Archer. Thanks, y'all, for joining me uh, and talking a little fun and diving, taking a trip back down memory lane. Um, <laughs> let's do it again next week, huh? Yes, Watch sir. out, Rack. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the center gets overtaken by Reggie White and company. You just watch out. Well, here's what I'll tell everybody that's watching. Watch out next week because we'll be back covering some more stuff about the Falcons and the entire NFL, specifically in the NFC South as well. You're watching the Falcons Audible Prep presented by AT&T. We'll see everybody next week. Have a fantastic week.